This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Christ has given us so many verses about suffering. And this is not because God is the author of suffering. In fact, He doesn't like us to be afflicted. We are His children. Yet, the question is not if affliction will happen. The question is when it will happen to us because that's part and central of the teachings of Christ. We look at suffering as something to be shunned and something to be to run away from. But even Jesus Himself, the very Son of God, was crucified on the cross. So how can we say, why, are, why do you allow this to me? We also believe that this can be used by God for us to be able to understand what time we are living in right now. And we believe that we are in the end times. We may not know it, but God's purpose is going on. You gotta drop this with like 10 minutes left on the show, seriously. Really? <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was, I was really surprised. I was not expecting that answer, so I was really surprised. What's going on, guys? Welcome to The Narrow Door. Come on in. My name is Sam O. Oh, I'm your host. And I say this all the time, I feel like. We have a very interesting conversation ahead of us. But it's true. I'm also really excited because I have some female company on the show today. But first, as usual, we have Instructor Harold Resho of New Heaven and New Earth, Shinchenji Church of Jesus. Pastor Dennis C. is head pastor of Victory Green Hills. And... That female, beautiful female company that I was talking about, we have Sister Rita Kaopeng Sing Son. She is a lay preacher at The Feast. She is also the editor-in-chief of Feast Magazine, and she's a personal friend. Hi, Sisseries! Hi! You, did you say late? The late preacher? It sounds late. like I Oh my gosh! That is horrible. I said lay preacher. Oh, lay preacher. Okay. Ah! <laughs> ah. That's awful. No, no, no. Lay. Let's clarify that. Lay preacher. Oh That's J-Paul, the late preacher. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I am the late preacher, right? Because I was <laughs> late logging on to our Zoom. Okay, okay. You're forgiven. Only five <laughs> minutes. Yeah, a little backstory. The first time ever that we got to got together to do this podcast, Brother J-Paul was late. Like, I, how, how late was he? Like 30 minutes or something like that? One hour. An hour? Oh. No. We know he was late, uh, and then we decided to uh, come back again an hour later. But anyway, anyway, thank you for being here today. I really wanted to talk about something that I think is a, is on the minds of a lot of people. Um, you know, who is in this faith life? We have a pandemic that's happening right now, but we also know that you know the God that we serve is a good God, and I myself am wondering if God is good. Why is he allowing this pandemic? What is this about? It's not a new question. It's the 2020 version of an age-old question, which is, if God is good, why is there suffering in the world, right? And I just wanted to pick your brains about this. So ladies first, shall we? Sis Reese? Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, I take the easy questions. When it's the hard questions, the, the guys will, will do it. <laughs> Well, you know, um, it, it's really a hard uh, question to answer, you know, um, especially when you're in ministry and you're, you're um, confronted by people who are always in pain, you know, and, um, and, and, and there's this expectation that when you uh, get closer to God, at least me, when I was a young Christian, I was so naive. I really thought that because I was close to, to God, I would be immune 
<laughs> to all these, um, you know, to all the, the, the pain and the hardships of life. So I had to grapple with that question. As a, as a young Christian, I was in my um, 20s, and my nephew, my um, first nephew, the, 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 the son of my brother, died um, in a very tragic manner. Um, so it was supposedly in, uh, because of a car accident, but, you know, it didn't really look like a car accident. So it looked like foul play and stuff like that. So, so uh, you know, it was a very painful um, time for me because I said, wow, Lord, I, I, I was already a full-time servant at that time. I was already a missionary. In fact, I wasn't even living with my parents, with my family. I was in the center. So I was like, Lord, why did this happen? You know, good things should happen to good people. Isn't that the narrative? Isn't that, you know, um, what our faith is about? Otherwise, you know, why even, why even put our faith in God? If, 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 if the bad will suffer with the good and the good will suffer with the bad. Um, but then, you know, um, the Lord didn't really answer my question head on. He didn't answer my why question you know, but um, he answered me with a passage from uh, Romans 8. And it's, um, and I wrote it into a song actually, which is, you know, okay, that, that's another story. Example, okay. Example, but, example. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's no height and there's no depth. Not even life nor death itself can take us away from the love of God. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it's not the direct answer. You know, it's, it's not an answer to why does suffering happen. But I found um, consolation and so much, ah, what, um, freedom in that passage that the love of God is, you know, no matter what we go through, no matter uh, how difficult uh, life gets, the love of God is constant. So um, I've, I've learned to look at that. Uh, whenever I hit, you know, a, a dead end or a rough, a rough patch, or like, like, like this, this, this is not just a rough patch. What everybody's going through right now, it's like a, a bottomless pit. You know, I, I've learned to look at that instead of asking the the why question, which doesn't really get, you know, doesn't really get answered in this side of heaven. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's Dr. Harold. Do you want to uh, take a stab at this? Yes, um, I'm actually one of those people who ask this question. If God is good, then why are there sufferings? And when I studied the Bible, I found out that in the scripture, it says that God does not want to bring affliction to men. And uh, we know that the wages of sin is death. So when death enters in the world, that's the start when the war between God and Satan actually happened. But this war... It's not only in the spiritual world, but also here in the physical world, in flesh. And that's why it's important for us to know and distinguish what's happening. And right now, Satan is ruling in the world, and he's, he's trying to deceive the people. He would want us to blame God for these sufferings. But, you know, what's good about God is that he can turn these negative things to something that is beneficial to us. Like if we really believe in God, through these sufferings, we can be victorious, we can be stronger, we can have discipline. All this good stuff will come out if we um, try to reflect through the word of God. And um, 
also in the scripture it says that when we share in the sufferings we will also share in the glory of god so we can look at it actually as a blessing but also just to look at both both sides on the side of god he can also give judgment uh, but this judgment is actually designed for the people who disobeyed him or the people who actually betrayed him that was a lot so um, <laughs> pastor dennis i know you like to laugh at me but i'm just kind of like sitting here and trying to process everything um okay okay wait, wait, wait. where do i even start i'm gonna pass the ball to you first pastor dennis okay. uh yeah. yeah what is the answer your answer to this question why is there suffering in the world when god is right good? first is the question if god is a good god why does he allow suffering and i think i've wrestled with this question for so, such a long time when I was a young minister, I thought I had the answer. It was so easy to answer this question. The sovereignty of God. You know, God is sovereign. God is not surprised. You know, God knows what he's doing. But now that I've grown older and I've pastored people and I've been in the hospitals and I've been to funerals of godly men and women, the question is so hard to answer. And I, I feel like even as we talked about the Bible, the more I know of the Bible, and the more I know of God, the more I have questions now. Because I cannot fully comprehend God, right? And uh, I know God is good, but I know there's also suffering. I am reminded of a story that I had with this uh, Chinese pastor who until now we don't know where he is. Uh, he is a leader of an underground church in China that has millions of members. And he's one of the fathers. He's really old. He's around 70 plus. So we don't know where he is now. But I remember when I was a youth minister. So we had dinner with him. He had limited English, maybe around 20 words. <laughs> and I'm a fake Chinese, right? <laughs> Here am I conversing with this Chinese pastor. And our question was, what is the secret to being a good, uh, to be a good follower of Jesus? You know, he looks at us like Mr. Miyagi. And he Birds out one word and he says, suffering. Oh, that was one of the 20 words that he knew. <laughs> suffering. And we said, okay, any other answers to the question? Right? But that was his word. It was suffering. And uh, he has suffered for Christ. He has given up many things. He has served a good God. We don't know where he is. Is he in prison? Is he being treated well? We don't know, but then that's the reality of what we have in Christ. And I think Christ has given us so many verses about suffering, right? And this is not because God is the author of suffering. In fact, uh, he doesn't like us to be afflicted. We are his children. Yet, the question is not if, if affliction will happen. The question is when it will happen to us, because that's part and central of the teachings of Christ. So maybe we can dive in deeper in this conversation and I want to hear the thoughts also of others. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you're right. It, no one questions that. Suffering is inevitable. If you're alive, it's just part of life. And I think maybe one of the things to me that makes sense about the Catholic faith when it comes to suffering is, Sis Reese, we have something called redemptive suffering, right? Mm -hmm. We can mm -hmm. offer it up to God and join our own suffering to participate in the suffering of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe even offer it up to like the souls in purgatory so that they may be saved 
um, faster. Uh, can you t- talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I, I understood that better because of a story that Father um, Bob McConaughey um, wrote in his book. I edited his book. Uh, he has two books. I can't remember now if it was in his first book, which is closer, and the second book is deeper. But he tells of a story about one of his parishioners named um, Marilyn Spar. And Marilyn, he, w- when he was invited to minister to her, um, so he went to his to her home, and he was just shocked when he saw her because she looked like a, a manananggal. She was chopped, you know, her, her um, legs were, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the word, Pastor Dennis? Syllables. Syllables. Decapitated. Oh my gosh, what's the word? Uh, you know, Amputated. when you have... Um, Amputated. Huh? Amputated, yes, yes. yes. I thought, yeah, I heard from, from instructor Harold, uh, decapitated. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> so anyway, so she was amputated, like up to her hips. And even her arms were chopped. So she just looked like a stubble, actually, like a bust. Um, and she asked the same question that we're discussing now. She said, wow, Father, look at me. What's the purpose of my life? Why am I still alive? I, she had like more than, like more than a a dozen or two dozens operations already because of her condition. Uh, I forget now what it is, but, uh, you know, um, uh, her parts of her body would decay. So they would have to keep on amputating it so that it wouldn't infect the rest of her body. And Father Bob was just stumped. He could not, you know, with all his, his uh, experience and knowledge, he couldn't give her an answer. And so he, he just said, wait, you know, can you just give me some time and let me pray over this because he was just out of words. And then the next day, uh, Father Bob uh, uh, went on a, uh, to give a retreat um, and he thought of Marilyn and he said, he called her up and he said, hey, I'm giving a retreat. Can you please pray for me and for all the people who are attending that retreat? And so Marilyn said, yeah, I will do that. And so on her bed, she prayed, uh, you, know, you know, maybe the whole weekend. And then... Um, Father Bob told the retreatants, hey, there's this woman, I just met her, etc. And she's praying for all of you right now. And these retreatants wrote personal letters of, of thanks to Marlene. And next time Father Bob visited her, she was on her bed and all these letters were there. And she said, finally, now I have an answer why I'm still alive. And she became Father Bob's intercessor for all his, you know, for whatever um, mission, whatever services he had. She was just, and, and um, the way Father Bob explained it is that she was participating in the suffering of Christ. You know, um, sometimes when we go through suffering, we look at it as, it, it, it um, makes you navel gaze, right? It's like, oh my God, why, why is this happening to me? Why am I suffering? What, you know, uh, why God, why? But um, we can actually uh, turn our suffering into something redemptive. And even scripture talks about this, that we can share in the sufferings of Christ. And not that, you know, I, I've always wondered about that. Maybe Pastor Dennis can, or, or Instructor uh, Harold can expound on that. But sometimes I wonder, why do I have to, to, to share in the sufferings of Christ? You know, Christ's suffering was perfect. You know, when he died on the cross, that, that you know, it's a one-time, big-time thing. Um, but then the, the, the mystery of 
God wanting us to share, to share in something so glorious. You know, uh, we look at suffering as something to be shunned and something to be, to run away from. But even Jesus himself, the very son of God, was crucified on the cross. So how can we say, why, are, why do you allow this to me? You know, why do you allow this to happen to me? When his very son um, died on the cross for us. So that, that you know, um, changed my perspective with suffering. Instead of saying, when will this end? Or uh, why is this happening to me? You know, I can, I can you know, uh, channel it for something uh, more glorious. Lord, I offer this suffering for all the people who are, you know, in, in, a, in a deeper pit than me during this pandemic. I offer this suffering for all those who are in darkness, who are in sin, who have not found you yet. You know, so there's a way of turning um, something uh, deplorable into something glorious. And that's, that, that's you know, a, a tool that God gives us. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really one of the most amazing things about our God is whenever we find ourselves in situations that are challenging or difficult or just plain negative, and we feel like no nothing good can come out of this, we give it to God and he is able to turn things around and still bring good out of something that is bad or evil. Um, I just want to sort of go back to what Instructor Harold, you said earlier which was a lot, by the way, but, you know, something caught my attention because I think you kind of touched on it in a past episode. You said that Satan is, by the way, Sis Risa, Instructor Harold is like the bold one in this podcast. I think at this point we need like a Satan counter going because he, he has no problems talking about Satan and I'm just kind of like, ah. <laughs> but earlier, Instructor Harold, you said the... Satan is ruling over the world. That's what you said, right? That's right. And that's what I explained previously that um, an example is when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he's offering the world if Jesus would worship Satan. And Satan cannot offer something that is actually not his. And uh, there are different references in the Bible that explains that this world is under the rule of the evil one. So I think this is really a great opportunity for us to share how we understand Satan and his background. Okay. Do, do you want to start? Do you want? Uh, yes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. It's gonna be short. So we start from the basic. He is actually an angel. Um, in Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight, he is a guardian cherub. The way he was described is that he is a model of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. However, he betrayed God and wanted to be the most high. So this desire caused him to sin. And when he sinned, that's the beginning when he became Satan. So how does Satan work? He would deceive the chosen people of God, starting from the beginning, actually up until now. Um, in the beginning, in Genesis, the world has been given to Adam. He was supposed to rule over the world. However, Adam and his descendants continued to sin against God. And therefore, it's a way of Satan to steal the world from him. And um, since people became sinners, God cannot contend with man anymore. And out of his love, he had to leave. And that's why eventually he gave us the religion because this is the way for us to be connected to God again because he would want us to give the eternal life that we are all hoping for. Pastor Dennis, you seem to have a reaction to this. 
You're on mute, Pastor Dennis. I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I won't term it that way where Satan rules the world. It's uh, kind of scary. Because uh, in scripture, though it, yeah, he was called the prince of the air, the god of this world. But there are also scripture telling us that um, uh, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, right? And uh, the Bible also says that um, uh, no weapon formed against us shall prosper and every tongue that rises against us in judgment shall not be condemned. I think uh, maybe I'm part of victory and so I have a posture of victory <laughs> that as believers in Christ, we have a posture of victory that the church in the last days won't be hiding. And I don't know if you guys know about uh, that school of thought where the Antichrist would come, the church will be hiding, the church won't grow, will be all uh, marked with the sign of the beast, right? And, and that's a narrative that, was, uh, that is very prevalent in the Christian world, yet at the same time, we see in the scripture an eschatology of victory, like, that God is going to rule again. And that's why I love the, the name of uh, Harold's church, the new heaven and the new earth that talks about the glorious hope we have in Christ in the midst of suffering. We can now have hope. And uh, Romans 5, actually, if you look at the book of Romans and study it, you would start to see the letter of Paul telling the Christians that even in the midst of suffering, it can actually produce hope because we are saved. We are loved by Christ. Jesus died for us. There's redemptive suffering, and therefore we can have hope. Maybe not in this world, but in the world to come, right? So, so that's where I'm, I'm trying to put my theological reflections on to kind of explain why a good God would allow suffering. You know? And I feel like, Sam, because the question should be reframed, and it shouldn't be, because there's already an assumption. If God is a good God, why would he allow suffering? The assumption is the good God is the author of suffering. Which, well, I'm not sure if that would be theologically correct. Okay. Because Jesus came, he said, I came here on earth to destroy the works of the devil, right? Of the enemy. So he came to destroy, like as a pastor, I, we counsel sexually molested young people. And what do I say to a woman who has been molested by an uncle or a dad? Oh, that's the will of God. God allowed it to happen. I don't think in my, in my pastoral of hearts and knowing the nature of God, I could not say that a good God allowed this suffering. In fact, God hates this sin. That's why he sent Jesus to atone and die for sinners like you and me. Because without Christ, I could be that rapist. Without Christ, I could be that pervert. But Christ has changed me. Christ has redeemed me. And therefore, many of the crises that we experience in this world, as what I said earlier, my, my answer early on in my faith was, it's all the sovereignty of God. But now I think there's another angle. It's not just only the sovereignty of God. There are times it's the sovereignty of God. That's why there's uh, pandemics and epidemics. But yet, there's also what we call sin. Sin has destroyed the world. You know, if you trace this virus, it was because people were eating what? You know, things that should not be eaten. It's the sin, right? And now there's talks about how certain people will manipulate the vaccine and it's because of greed. 
And if you look at so many pandemics in the world, whether it's the racism that's happening in the States, these are all the effects of sin because we don't see that we are image bearers of God and therefore we categorize people. You're yellow, you're black, you're white. Yeah, that's the color of our race, but then that's not who we are. We are created in the image of God. We are all human beings and we need to live in harmony. And so many of the sufferings that we experience now here on earth is because of the product of sin. And Jesus said, you know, I came to destroy sin. I came to redeem you from sin. And I think this is where the church should be at, where we're telling people about, you know, Christ came to destroy the works of the enemy and God wants you redeemed from that sin. And you don't need to choose that path. Rather, choose the path of walking with Jesus and being redeemed and sanctified daily. And it's going to be a process of repentance and, and truth, repentance, and faith for me to become more Christ-like in my journey with God. So it sounds to me like although you're not 100% on the same page as Instructor Harold and what he said about suffering earlier, you do believe that God is not the author of suffering, as you said earlier, right? Yes. It's right. a central teaching of Scripture, and God can use suffering uh, for his good, like what happened with Joseph, where he was sold into slavery, but then later on became second in command, because God is that sovereign. Yet it also because of sin and jealousy and favoritism that Joseph was sold into slavery. So the effect of sin is sin seen throughout Scripture, and that's why many of the sufferings we have now it's because of it's because of that, and we cannot blame it on God, but we have to look to ourselves and say maybe we've caused a lot of the sufferings that we are experiencing. Sis Reese, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, you know, I always I always say um, if you if you run through a red light, if you run through a red light and you get rammed by a truck. Is it God's fault? Whose, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it if you ran through a red light and you oh, get hit? mine. <laughs> right? The red light. So that, it's the red light. Uh, the red light's fault, yeah. <laughs> so um, I, that's how I see um, suffering in this world. I remember when I was um, a young Christian, um, there was a, a friend of a friend of mine who got pregnant. She, we, I think we were in our teens then, and she got pregnant because uh, she was sleeping with her boyfriend, and she was so mad at God. She said, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? And I was like, what? You're the one who slept with your boyfriend, and it's God's fault that you got pregnant? It's a natural um, uh, development to the action that she, that she chose. So it's the same thing like going through a red light. You know, we, uh, we think that the commandments of God are there because he wants to make our lives just miserable. Or, you know, like my kids would say, oh, mom, you're such a joy killer. I say, I, I tell her the word, the word is kill joy. You know, but you're such a joy killer, mom. You know, because they think that the rules I make are, are designed to just kill their joy. They don't see that I make those rules because I want them to grow up 
to be, you know, to have happy lives, to be disciplined, to have all the things that, um, you know, that will equip them and make them successful in life. And it's the same thing with the, the, the commandments of God. You know, people say, oh my gosh, I'm, it's so hard to follow the Lord because, you know, there's, he has so many commandments and so many rules and, and my life is, is so constrained if I follow him. But then, you know, the, that's that's as a young Christian, you know, I, I, I thought about that because I lived under very um, strict norms when I was growing up while my friends were going out and having parties and drinking. And, you know, I was in a center giving retreats and, you know, and not dating and, and not having a boyfriend, you know, things like that. But then now I look back, uh, you know, they say, uh, uh, Hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, I look back and I realize, wow, really those things that the norms, the 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 laws of the Lord that I strove to to live by, actually equipped me for success in life and the prosperity and the abundance and all the good things that we desire as young people. I I came upon it because. I obeyed God. So the things that are happening now, you know, the suffering in the world, it may not be because of something that you did because among the four of us, I don't think any of us had uh, any direct hand in getting this pandemic, you know, uh, world, you know, into a global crisis. It's none of our individual sins that made this. I don't know about you guys, but you know my conscience is clear about this pandemic. I had nothing to do with it, okay? But we're all suffering because of it. But I think uh, it, that, that's also <clears throat> the nature of sin. You know, sometimes um, my sin uh, doesn't just affect me. How nice if that was the case, right? Because otherwise, none of us would be born with original sin, because we weren't there in, in the Garden of Eden. I didn't eat from that forbidden fruit. It was Eve and Adam. But guess what? We all inherited that their sin, right? So I, I, that, that's the nature of, of, of sin. It doesn't just affect you. You know, it can go down the generation. And we know about generational sins. So, um, but, but, but again, uh, it, it's, that's why Jesus came. That's why he came. Because it's nothing that any of us can fix individually. If I could live my life, you know, holy and redeem myself, then Jesus didn't have to come. If I can pull myself out of every suffering, every deep pit that I fall into, then I don't need a savior. But that's why Jesus came. Okay, so I'm going to connect that to maybe what Instructor Harold said earlier, because, you know, he told us about how they in new heaven and new earth they believe that satan is ruling over the world and i actually think that makes a compelling argument um because when jesus was here during the first coming he was tempted by satan and satan actually did offer jesus like you know bow down to me and i will give you the world and as instructor harold pointed out earlier how do you offer somebody something that you don't have fine but i thought that was why jesus came right, is to fix this problem. Was it not? Because I, yeah, I can't figure this out by myself and I need a savior. Instructor Harold. Uh, yes, that's right. So, um, but when we look around us, uh, there is still suffering, uh, there is still death. And that's why um, Jesus wants to come back. And that's why he promised 
um, the second coming that he will come back and eventually it's going to be fixed. And if I just can add to what I was trying to explain earlier, uh, yes, there are different verses in the Bible that explains that this um, world is under the rule of the evil one. And there are verses in the Bible that um, this world, um, this kingdom is under the rule of God. And the way we understand it is that it's important that we look or when we read the, the word of God, we know the time because the way we understand it is that there will come a time that really God is going to rule over the world because that's his ultimate goal, that he would want to be with us. Just like what I've mentioned a while ago, that's why there is religion, because God would want to be with us, give us the greatest blessing, which is eternal life. Um, but the way we see it is that we have to know the time. And we also believe that there will come a time that God is going to rule over the world. And that's what we are all hoping for as well. Right, right. Sam, yes. you know, I, I, I agree with, um, with uh, Instructor Harold. I, I do believe that this is a spiritual warfare. I mean, everything that happens in the world, uh, I'm not negating that, uh, what, what, what Instructor Harold said, because even, <clears throat> even in, in the Garden of Eden, it was, it was the devil that made, you know, that tempted Adam and Eve to, to um, eat the forbidden fruit. So when I say sin, um, you know, things we suffer because of our sin, uh, well, that, that's also because of what the devil is doing in our lives. So I, I do believe I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual wa uh, warrior. <laughs> and that's, I, I pray, I, you know, I, I do um, believe that uh, the evil one is at work in our world and that we need to uh you know wage warfare um it sometimes uh, though uh we tend to blame it all on him you know we, we we like passing the blame we blame the devil we blame god but we never look you know when we when we look at that because because um sin sin or temptation comes from the world the flesh and the devil so it's not always the devil's fault sometimes it's 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 my own selfishness it's my own um, negligence. It's my own greed that, that, that caused me to do, you know, or, or my own lust that caused me to, to do this sin. Yeah, you know, the devil is always there. He, he, he uh, throws us, you know, carrots here and there to, to sweeten the deal. Um, but, you know, my role is, is, will I respond to it or not? And it's the same thing with, with God. Uh, the Lord is sovereign. He is in control. He's never out of control. But he also gives us that gift of free will. He, he leaves the choice with us. And so ultimately, do we, you know, do we choose life or death? Do we choose you know, good or evil? So it's there. It's, 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 it's before us. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Dennis, did you want to add anything before I move on to my next question? Yeah, I think when Jesus told the disciples, uh, this is then how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was telling the church, the disciples, we are now the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. We're going to pray every day that the kingdom of God will forcefully advance. And that's why you see uh, whether it's uh, the Catholic church or the evangelical churches, going out and doing uh, a lot of uh, work among the poor, among the orphans, among the widows, because God was telling us that for the kingdom of God to come, right? one of those ways is that it has to be tangible to the eyes of the people who don't know Christ yet, and that's where the kingdom is. 
right? The kingdom of God is not in the walls of the church. It's outside the walls of the church. When the church goes out and it makes disciples and it becomes uh, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Uh, when in Micah 6.8, Micah said, there's only three things you need to do as a Christian. If you're a follower of God, all you have to do is act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Three things. Very oh, simple. simple things. So, so simple. simple. Oh my right? gosh. And sometimes we complicate the scripture too much, right? If you walk humbly before your God and you act justly and practice social justice and do mercy ministries, that's the role of the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God does that, what happens? The people get a foretaste of the kingdom of God. Right? Until the new heaven and the new earth that is mentioned in Revelation will come where the fulfillment will happen. Right? So that's the term new heaven and new earth. But before that would even happen, God has already commanded us to be hands and feet of Jesus to the world. And that's the way we do it. And that's why when they're suffering, who's first in every pandemic? It's the Christian. Uh, uh, in the... In Roman history, what made us the official religion was when there was an epidemic that happened. Everybody ran to the mountains. You know who was left behind? The Christians. They took care of the sick. And they were dying left and right. And then when the, gov- when, when, uh, when, when the governor saw this, they said, who are this group of people who are helping in the fringes? And that's why Christianity became the official religion of the world. right? And that's how we get back the, 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 the light, the influence that we have as bearers of the gospel, that we, in the midst of suffering, I am the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. Oh, love that. Okay, let's really zone in now then on to this pandemic that we are experiencing on a global scale. As Sisrisa pointed out earlier, it has turned into a, a world crisis, really. And I just wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on, I mean, because suffering and difficult situations in my life, challenges and all that, sure, fine, everyone has gone through it. But a pandemic of this scale just seems a little out of the ordinary. And I just wanted to ask you guys, what is going through your minds right now? Sis Risa, do you want to start? Uh, You know, um, when... I, I don't know, when things like these happen to me, as I've said earlier, I, 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 don't ask, I don't ask why, I ask what and how. So I ask, Lord, what's your message? And how do you want me to respond? I, I'm going to answer this personally because I don't, you know, I don't uh, pretend to be a prophet of the times or whatever. Uh, personally, what this pandemic has done for me or done to me is that it's, it's really... Um, made me look at, uh, you know, what's essential in life. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, uh, there's a passage that God is shaking the heavens and God is shaking the earth. And that's, that's, what, that's what this pandemic has done to my life. It just shook my life and I guess everybody else's life so that the, the unshakable things remain. And now we look at things in our lives and we realize, oh my gosh, I thought that was so important. You know, if I just knew, you know, if I just knew I wouldn't have bought my car last year, you know, (laughs) because it's now parked in my garage, not being used, you know, 
you know, the things that we thought were important and, and cannot be, you know, we can't do without them. Now you realize, oh, wow, really? <laughs> you know, and so the unshakable things, you know, you know I've seen the pandemic shift through my, um, you know, my, my, my uh, priorities list. And um, I, it, it, it's so true that, you know, the, the things that scripture talks about, you know, the, uh, you know, we look to, we look to, to Christ uh, and, and uh, because the, those are the, the things, that, the eternal things. It, it's really the eternal things that remain. You know, what you can bring out of this earth, you know, when you die, those are the things that are important now in this pandemic, diba? So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's, uh, that's where I am. I think um, it's, it's caused a lot of people to, to reevaluate their priorities, to reevaluate their lives and to see, wait, what have I been pouring my life into? Is it worth my life? You know, and it's, uh, I, for me, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I agree, I agree. Yeah, Pastor Dennis. Yeah, I think what Risa said about essential, that's a key word for me uh, in this pandemic. Uh, strip off everything, what is truly essential. And I'm left with my faith in God, my family, and my church community. You know, at the end of the day, many of the things that we've added into our lives, are they truly essential? Right? And I look at my family now, and I believe this pandemic is an answered prayer to many kids around the world. God, may I have more time with daddy and mommy, right? And, uh, and entering into the sixth month, they're already praying, that, uh, God, can you bring daddy back to the office? <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, it, it goes to show that there are many things that God is realigning, reprioritizing in our lives. What's truly important? And as, uh, maybe as a pastor and as a church leader, it makes me also think about what is the church? What should the church look like in a time where we can't do mass gatherings? Am I now, have I lose my essence as a body of Christ? Or is this a time where God is telling us to do something and to pivot towards something else so that we can spread the gospel more in a suffering world? You know, so some very good and honest questions. I've been uh, doing more reflective questions now during this quarantine because of what has happened, what's truly important, and how things should really look like, and where is God leading us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have to say, my faith life is probably the biggest thing that has helped me weather this pandemic. It's mm. like, yeah, the one thing that I can really hold on to um, and you're right, things get really uh, bared down to the essentials, the things that really matter. Um, Instructor Harold, what are your thoughts on this pandemic? Um, what we believe in is that the sufferings and death, it comes from Satan. Um, but if we are talking specifically about this pandemic, we also believe that this can be used by God for us to be able to understand what time we are living in right now and we believe that we are in the end times um, we may not know it but god's purpose is going on and just like what i've mentioned before that god is the word and this the life and light uh, i think we need to be awakened and be in the light in order for us to see and understand what's happening around us 
You got to drop this with like 10 minutes left on the show. Seriously. Really? <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, was, I was really surprised. I was not expecting that answer. So I was really surprised. But wait, um, I actually, because I, I watch a lot of Christian content on YouTube. Like that's just my thing, right? That's my entertainment is watching Christian content. And I noticed that ever since this pandemic was becoming a thing, a lot of Christian YouTubers, and I'm not just talking about like just random people on YouTube talking about the faith. I'm talking like, you know, figures of authority, like pastors and uh, nuns and just like all across the board. Many people are talking about the end times and how somehow this pandemic figures into what the end times is. But the thing is, that term end times gets thrown around so much. I feel like every time there's some tragic thing that happens in the world, oh, it's end times, right? So, but you're saying that the way you, in, you guys believe that this is um, something that is like in the plan. I think in the, the, the thing that I heard in the Catholic Church is this is a chastisement. Um, so I guess that kind of ties into what you were saying, like, you know, God is trying to like, hey, wake, wake up, like shaking us and saying, this is what's going on right now. Am I understanding this properly? I don't know. Well, yeah, yes, well, that's yeah. what we believe in. Sister, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, I believe, I, I think even in scripture, I, I'm, I'm trying to look for that passage. Uh, even during St. Paul's time, he was already saying we're in the end times. So we are at the 11th hour. Um, but, you know, a day is as a thousand years in the sight of the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. So, and even Jesus himself said, we don't know, I, I, you know, only the, only the father knows that the time and the day. So even as a young Christian, I've been living for the end times, you know, uh, you will not believe, okay, we don't have enough time, but if you hear my stories, I mean, like, <laughs> Father, Pastor Dennis is laughing, but really, I, I, I thought the, the end times, so, you know, the end, end of the world would come on August 8, 1988. Uh, were you already a Christian then? <laughs> Did you read that book, Pastor Dennis? You know, and uh, so, uh, you know, I, I grew up living uh, in the end times, uh, you know, um, so it, it, but now I realize that the end times, you know, uh, is, is, is yes, it is uh, an exact um, happening, like like what um, Instructor Harold is saying. But you know, we don't even have to wait for that because a lot of people found their end way before <laughs> 1988, and after 1980, you know, your end could come today or tomorrow. You know. It, when you die. So the end times for the entire world can come like, you know, the way World War II came or the way this pandemic came. But really, we should be living for the end times because nobody knows when your end or my end true. will come. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose we, yeah, because I could die tomorrow and that could be my end time. But I think when we talk about end times in the context of our faith, like we're isn't this synonymous to the second coming? That's what we're talking about when we talk about end times for us, right? Pastor Dennis. Yeah, yeah that's an hour-long podcast that you would like to do, Sam. <laughs> that's another episode, right? Yeah, I think that's another episode. And that, that's fine. We can do another episode. I'd yeah. love to. Yeah. But just very briefly, Pastor yeah. Dennis, what are your thoughts? Well, 
the truth is, every day we're a day closer to the end times, but nobody knows. Not even the angels know, only the Father knows. So I won't even do studies of when, when is Jesus coming? Would it be in 2023? Who's the Antichrist? Nobody knows. And the Father tells us, it's not your business to know. Your business is to occupy till I come, for you to share the gospel, for you to be uh, uh, kingdom agents into the world and share the love of Christ to the world. So when it's a matter of where do you put your energy, do I now produce books that tells me that 88 will come in 1988. I'm a millionaire because of that book. That was it, yeah. <laughs> because Jesus did not come in 1988. He wrote another book, 89 oh. Reasons. Uh, just all these conspiracy theories of Y2K and I think it's Saddam, you know, or, or maybe it's Bin Laden. All of this, we do not know and it's not our business to know. All, our business is to do the work of Christ to make disciples until Jesus comes. Matthew 24. The, gospel, the message of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. Half of the world has never heard the name Jesus. So I'm not sure when it will come. It could be an internet sensation, could share the gospel, I don't know. Or it could be through smaller pockets of the church doing the work of Christ that could spread the gospel to the entire known world. Yet, I think our business really is to do more of the work of Christ and to be hands and feet of Jesus to a suffering world rather than having theories of this is the Antichrist or he's coming two years from now and giving those dates, which is not, you know, which God commanded us not to do. Oh, did he really? Because I see a lot of Christians do it. Like there's so many people interpreting, oh, you know, okay, this is what's going to happen, guys. Yeah. I mean, I've tried following like, Taylor Marshall, who is a Catholic theologian YouTuber, has his own commentary on Revelation, and I tried following it, but it's just too long, and it's it's just language that's like really hard to follow, right? But I guess, and this could sound like a really basic question, but as Christians, we are told that there will be a second coming and that we should be waiting for it. But like, why are we also told like that? You know that we don't know, then like, how are we supposed to know when it happens? Yeah, I think the command is for us to anticipate the coming of Christ. And it's going to be a glorious return. It's not going to be a defeatist uh, uh, perspective of, oh, the church is hiding. We've got to pack some sardines, put it in our pantry. No, it's the church going out and making disciples into the entire known world. It's how you, we see now the internet. Uh, who could imagine Sam O would be producing a podcast for Christians? You what know? is your point? What yeah, is no, my, my point is... Uh, God. The world is coming to an end. The, yeah, the <laughs> end is near, Sam. The end is near. Si Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I am you're offended, now, you're, guys. You're a sister in Christ now. The end is near. You know? So the world, the gospel is spreading. There's so much good news going around. Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world until now. And the church has been forcefully advancing. And so your eschatology or your theology of the end times will determine how you will act and how the posture you'll have now. 
You know, we won't have this podcast if that's a defeatist attitude. It means I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm Christian or else when the mark of the beast and, and there's a national order to, you know. So I think all of those things, which by the way, is the, that eschatology is a 1950s or 60s invention. And it was never in church history. Right, uh, the left behind and all this. Uh, oh, the mark. rapture! I read yeah, that book. Yeah, yes. I read that yes. book. Yeah. Yeah. And, I and read the entire already, series. Yeah. <laughs> me, too. me too. You know, I accepted Jesus because I was so afraid to go to <laughs> hell. You know, and that's why I asked Jesus to come every week into my heart. Because it's a narrative of fear, not a narrative of love and redemption. It was always fear-based, and I I believe that's not the heart of God. And once we start selling a narrative of fear of, oh, this is going to happen. And this, you know, people would love fear sells. You know, fear has, is the headlines today. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I think this should be the voice of the church. Not one of fear, but one of, you know what? The kingdom of God will forcefully advance. The resurrection, the hope of the resurrection that we have in Christ. This is the narrative that we choose to believe and live on. Instructor Harold, do you want to kind of close out this talk of end times, which you started? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry if I started this conversation. No, but no, no. That's, that's one thing I want um, everyone to know, that even when we say that we are in the end times, it actually does not mean that it's the end of the world, like the comet will come down and will struck the earth and everyone will die in here. No. If we understand the Bible clearly, just like what I mentioned in the first episode, we will find hope that there is something that we have to hold on to because Jesus is coming back. Who among us doesn't want to see Jesus when he comes back? That's what we are hoping for. It's just that there are a lot of misconceptions uh, from other people that when we say the end times, it's, um, it also means that it's the end of the world, but actually it's not. Uh, that's why we are offering this to everyone for you to check how we understand it. And it's for you to uh, judge whether what you think the way we understand the Bible is correct or not. And I just want to clarify, this is something hopeful. This is not something that we have to be uh, fearful of because when Jesus is going to come back, those people who are waiting for him will be able to welcome him. If we don't know um, how he's going to come back, when or, or where, then it's going to be hard for us to welcome him when he comes back. And that's, again, what we're offering everyone, how we understand it in the Bible. So it sounds to me like you guys have um, a teaching on this. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, Pastor Dennis, do you guys have a teaching on this? Yes. Oh, you yes. do? Yeah. Oh my goodness, Sis Reese. Because as far as I know, the Catholic Church does not have an official teaching on- Oh, we do. Oh, do we do? The, our, our we profess it in Mass every day, the second coming. That's it. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. That's the profession of our faith. Oh. The, the belief of the Catholic Church is, okay, sorry, I'm starting another episode. It's okay. Can we do this? That's can we, all right. Can we do it for the next hour? <laughs> no. but, but yeah, um, yeah we're, we're there. I, I'm with you, uh, uh, um, Instructor Harold. I'm also with you, Pastor um, Dennis, because that's, what, that's why I live my life this way. I'm living for the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, you know, this, this place, this earth is, I, I know I'm just passing through. You know, this is, this, is, uh, this is kindergarten compared to eternity, you know. And so um, 
that's that's why we that's why we live the way we and that's why we we share the good news yes. because we're looking forward to to that that new heavens and new earth where there will be no more tears no more death no more crying that that's what isn't that you know and that answers all our questions about why is there suffering in the world you know because it this this is not yet heaven this is not yet heaven. We can make it heaven. It's heaven for me already. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like camping. I like being in my mansion. <laughs> you know, for, this is camping for us Christians. Um, but, yeah, the, there, is, there is a mansion. There is new heavens and new earth waiting for us. And their suffering will cease. Yes. So that's something we can look forward to. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, this was like, this is news to me just because I think I thought end times, whenever there was talk of end times, end of the world, it's always like, yeah, it's, it's like those movies, right? Apocalyptic movies where the planet is going to be obliterated. We're all going to die. And that's what we're waiting for. And so it's a very scary thing. But you guys are saying that, no, it's actually a very hopeful thing. We, we should be looking forward to this as Christians. We definitely need to do an episode on this. But we're all out of time <laughs> today. And I want to thank you so much for being here for this conversation. Please, I'm sorry, Instructor Harold, you, did you want to say something? Oh, you're on mute. mute. Yeah, you're on mute. Yes, uh, very quickly, because uh, I know there's a lot of hap what's happening in the world. And uh, um, I think I just want to ask some favor, uh, if that's fine. It's a very quick favor for you and for those listeners right now that can we pray for everyone? Um, let's pray for, for the COVID-19 that we find the solution for it, for us to be protected from it, from this pandemic, and even um, our churches. Because Christianity right now is being persecuted a lot. Even for us, um, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Korea, they are being persecuted a lot. And I think this is uh, very present all over the world. So uh, as a believer of God, uh, I think the best way that we can combat this is through prayer. And if we are all uni united through the prayer in God. Oh, that's a lovely thought. Yes, absolutely. We should pray for each other. And you're, you're right. I mean, as Pastor Dennis said earlier, we are still a growing church, but I think there is also a lot of persecution. But I think that's also just being part of Christian, right? Mm. Um, currently, like, you know, in some, I think we're very lucky to be living in the Philippines where the faith is such a big part of our lives and everyone is free to practice this. And, uh, but it's not this way in every part of the world. I see every morning I will flip through my news app and I see pictures of protests that are happening in places like the States. And I feel like the protests over there are spilling over to, you know, the churches and I see pictures of churches being burned down or, you know, the statue of the blessed Virgin being vandalized. And it's just, you know, painful images to look at. And so absolutely, we should be praying for our brothers and sisters who are experiencing persecution because of our faith. Um, but again, yes, thank you so much for adding that into our conversation today. Where do we find you? Please let us know. Instructor Harold. Uh, you can send us an email, um, contact.nhneph at gmail.com. Pastor Dennis. Yeah, look for me at actlikeaman.org. That's our website. We have our YouTube channel, Act Like a Man Philippines. And you can search us on, YouTube, on Facebook also, Act Like a Man. Sis Reese. 
My FB page is Risa Singson Kaupeng. Uh, we have a weekly Bible study called The Hunger Club every Monday at 8 p.m. So you can catch me there. And since Reese and I, we do an online show every other Thursday on Feast TV, which is on the Facebook page of The Feast, right? Yep. Yeah, catch us there, guys. And don't forget to email me as well, the Narrow Door Podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.